Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast, which looks into the UK housing market. With me today are APW's soothsayers, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hi, Stuart. Hey, Paul. And hello, Callum. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, APW is an advisor to expats from around the world who are thinking of buying into the UK property market. And today's episode is a city watch. We're turning our telescope of truth to the city of Sheffield. From the narrow end, we'll be peering down the tube and examining what is happening on the streets and in the housing market, without coming across as peeping toms, of course. My name is Paul Shearer. I've been writing about UK property for nigh on 20 years, and I've been a property owner and restorer for coming up to 40 years. But first things first, Sheffield. Callum, uh, please can you tell us where it is? Yeah, sure can. It's 269 kilometres. That's 167 miles for um, the people that work in the the sort of old rules. Uh, it's northwest of London and 145 kilometres or 90 miles northeast of Birmingham, which we know is another great place to buy. It is the southernmost point in a triangle, which includes Leeds to the north, Manchester to its west, and it's a metropolitan city in the county of South Yorkshire. Okay, and I can add that it sits on the confluence of five rivers, uh, the Don, the Luxley, the Porter, the Rivelin, and the Sheaf, after which it gets its name, Sheffield or Sheffield. And all these rivers form a kind of natural amphitheatre, and it's a very long city flanked by hills. Stuart, why Sheffield? Is it because of your Yorkshire roots? Well, it is, it is the fifth largest city in the UK. Obviously, the Yorkshire people, so they are pretty strong. Um, it's got some cracking football teams, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. One of them is called the Blades, which is also the name of the, of the um, ice rink there, the Blades. So that's very pleasant. It's got a great cross-section of different employers and it's got some great universities. So it's got a lot of positive stuff going for it, but it's also very affordable and gives you good rental income. And do you know why it's called Sheffield Wednesday? Oh, no, I don't know that. Sheffield Wednesday is the only top-tier football team in the world that has a weekday in its name, and the club was named because the original founders all had Wednesday off work, so they used to play football. Um, let's throw in some more fun facts about Sheffield. Callum, uh, any any that you like? Yes, this is uh, it's got to be up there with one of my favourites. In March 1994, Sheffield set a record for the longest rainbow ever, lasting six hours. They held the record for 20 years until it was broken by Taipei, in Taiwan, although no pot of gold found at the end. Okay, maybe when your development uh, starts digging for foundations, you might find it. That's it. <laughs> okay, well, Sheffield's been hosting the World Snooker Championship in the Crucible Theatre since 1977, and not a single champion has been able to defend his first title in the Crucible Theatre, which is known as the Crucible Curse. <laughs> okay, all the steel used in the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City was imported from Sheffield. Nearly half of all scalpels and surgical blades used in the bridge's construction were made in Sheffield too. Why would you be using scalpels and surgical blades to make a bridge? Less people fell off it, of course. But if you do go up the um, motorway, up the M1, as you go past Sheffield on the left, on the right-hand side, there are these four huge chimneys, um, that stick cooling towers they are, but they look like house chimneys. And... Uh, I used to say to my children as we drove past, if the chimneys are that big, how big are the houses? 
While I was trawling about uh, looking for fun facts, I came across this one. Um, there's plenty of people with lists out there, uh, but sometimes you wonder about people's ability to judge what information is interesting. Uh, one list of 65 fun facts about Sheffield had this. In 2015, a herd of cows escaped from a nearby field and occupied the lawns in Crosspool to the west of the city. A similar event occurred in 2019. So I'm guessing that Sheffield is more exciting than that. But uh, what do you think? Sure. I think the city is a bit livelier than the report suggests. But you know what these Yorkshire Yorkshire men and, and men and women are like. You know, that can be quite exciting, cows escaping from a field. OK, well, let's have a look at a bit of history first. Uh, there's a place called Cresswell Crags. It's just to the southeast of Sheffield. And cave art figures of a deer and either birds or stylized females. Um, the debate continues. These have been dated to at least 12,800 years ago, making them the oldest known examples in the UK. And that was discovered all this century. Closer to the centre of Sheffield, on Winco Bank Hill, overlooking the River Don, there are remains of an Iron Age fort, which yielded artefacts dating to around 500 BC. The Don, or as it used to be called the Dun, is a pre-Celtic name for the river, and the course of the river through Sheffield, beyond the bit where it joins with the sheaf, is thought to mark the boundary between the British tribes, the Brigantes, and the Corioltuvi. So just be careful when you cross that river, because, uh, well... It's always a bit of a bundle between the Brigantes and the Coriol Tovi. Uh, anyway, then the Romans came. They defeated the Brigantes in AD 69. And when the Romans went a few centuries later, they left behind the ruined fort. And there are suggestions that the cathedral was built on the site of this fort. After the Romans, was Sheffield part of Northumbria or was it part of Mercia? Shall we have a fight about it? Well, they did often. The theme of borders runs through Sheffield um, with elements called the door, um, with an E, but that means a door, Limbrook and Mearsbrook, which both mean division or boundary, and Wurlow, which means boundary mound. And there's an ancient marker called Stanage Pole. And all of these rivers, mounds and poles separated Yorkshire from Derbyshire and the Archbishopric of York from that of Canterbury. The point is, as I say, that being a border is a theme in Sheffield history. In Anglo-Saxon times, the bit around Sheffield used to be called Hallamshire, and the name still is used today in parts. Uh, after the Norman conquest, Sheffield got a castle, and a market town developed around that, and the castle was later used to keep Mary Queen of Scots imprisoned for 14 years. Uh, Sheffield Steel gets a mention in the Canterbury Tales, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, in the Reeves Tale, a Sheffield thwittle bar he in his hose. Round was his face, and Camus was his nose. A thwittle is a knife. Anyway, that was written in 1380, and that shows that Sheffield was already renowned for its metalwork even then. In fact, as early as 1379, 25% of the population was listed as metal workers. So this specialisation continued, and the town exploited its resource mix of wood, water, power, and coal. By 1672, there were 224 metalworking smithies in the town itself and another 376 in the Hallamshire hinterland. Uh, so they began to dam the rivers, creating mill races to power water wheels, and when all the usable sites were occupied, they installed steam engines alongside. And innovation kept Sheffield preeminent. Thomas Bolsover invented a way of coating silver onto copper. The town made what became known as Old Sheffield Plate, so that's silver plate, and created a large market in lower-cost flatware and hollowware. That's cutlery to you and me to fulfil the rising demand for affordable luxuries from an expanding middle class. 
Uh, Sheffield cutlers were reputed for their silverware before the arrival of steel, and the Company of Cutlers in Hallamshire was founded in 1624. There was the invention of crucible seal by Huntsman, who moved to the city from Doncaster in 1742, bringing his invention with him. The development of the new Atlantic Empire brought new exports as the slave plantations of the Caribbean and America were equipped with plantation knives and machetes made in Sheffield. The markets expanded when the River Don was made fully navigable in 1819, allowing imports of coal to fire the furnaces. And Bessemer did something similar with innovation in 1856, bringing his new way of turning iron into steel with him. This reduced the price of steel fivefold and coincided with the railway boom in the UK and the USA. But to keep ahead of its competition, Sheffield moved into higher quality steel and it became a city in 1893. In the second half of the 19th century, the naval arms race between Britain and Germany accelerated, first through armour plating wooden ships and then through building ironclad ships, leading ultimately to the First World War battleships. Uh, Sheffield worked both sides of this naval arms race with armour plating and with uh, the shells, which would penetrate the cladding. Before the First World War, reportedly Sheffield was making 70% of the armour for the Navy and 70% of the material for the war material made by private companies, including guns, gun forgings, shells and projectiles, and steel for small arms. I've got a personal connection here as well, as my great-grandfather uh, was on the board of directors for Sheffield steel maker Thomas Firth & Sons, as well as John Brown from 1899 until he died in 1925, because Thomas Firth bought John Brown, they had a connection, and then they bought this shipyard in Clydebank. So Sheffield was making the steel and the ships were made in Glasgow. They eventually merged, became Firth Brown, and Firth Stainless Steel was a big thing. Very popular the exhibitions of homeware in 1930s where Firth Stainless Steel was the, the big sell. Um, my mother was born in Sheffield, uh, so that increases the connection. Uh, and my her father, my grandfather, went on to run the steelworks in Sheffield during the Second World War. The Second World War brought heavy bomb damage as the city had once again become a vital armaments hub. But as the steel industry went into decline, it pulled Sheffield with it, and Sheffield used its entrepreneurial spirit and determination to attract significant partnerships in the late 90s and early noughties, and the regeneration work continues. That's enough history. Let's move on to some pie. That's our trusty mnemonic for population, infrastructure and employment. Uh, so remind us, Callum, why pie? Uh, that's right. Yeah, as you say, population, infrastructure, employment, and that is a nice little framework that we use for, um, you know, assessing the quality of the fundamentals of a location. Has it got all those things? If so, then yes, it's probably possibly a good place to be buying. Population, yeah, always an important one. Figures from the last census give a population of 550,000 people uh, in 230,000 households and an economy of over 11 billion pounds though the urban region which includes Rotherham has a population of around 725,000 people so much bigger and then along with the city it adds up to a population of 1.8 million people uh, alongside that you've got quite a big student population uh, due to the different universities with over 60,000 students at either Sheffield University or Sheffield Hallam uh, and they are ranked 22 and 72nd respectively in the times good university guide 2022 just looking back at a little little bit of history of the population growth um industrial revolution in the industrial Re revolution the population growth was from 6,000 
1801 to 600,000 in 1901. So that's a very rapid expansion, and that's the the, the industrial revolution story all over the all over the UK. Um, it's also got a very large population of trees. That's right. Yeah, it does have a very large population of trees. It's been declared the greenest city in the UK and has the highest green space percentage of any city in the world. Thanks to a third of the city sitting in the Peak District National Park with its 4.5 million trees, the highest ratio of trees to people of any European city. Music? I know you're a bit of a music buff. Yeah, so lo- love my music. Jarvis Cocker, Def Leppard, the Arctic Monkeys, uh, all from Sheffield. Okay, uh, so a growing population? Sure, according to a joint report from the Sheffield City Council and Deloitte, the population of Sheffield is forecast to be just under 650,000 people by 2043. So yes, it's a growing population. Yes, that a report actually is a treasure trove of information. Um, the City Council and Deloitte uh, is the Sheffield Strategic Vision, and that was published in March of this year. Also, plenty of information out there when you're doing your research. I can recommend Gimbal Walk on YouTube. Uh, basically, uh, there's a guy walking around the centre of uh, Sheffield with a camera and uh, he just puts up little captions about the buildings that he passes. Nice way to spend an hour if you're feeling that way inclined. You mentioned the student population. I came across this on the university website, um, which gives you a flavour of the city. Sheffield has everything you'd expect to find in a major city and more. We've got all the usual big city attractions, supermarkets, all your favourite chains, loads of cinemas to choose from, high street shopping. But Sheffield offers so much more than that. Our students are always shouting about Sheffield. They discover a city that's safe, affordable, creative and green. They set up home here and fall in love with the place. Though it's big, it's also pretty easy to get around. You can walk across the city centre from the train station to our campus in about 20 minutes, or you can just hop on the train. The city is bursting with creativity. There's a thriving grassroots creative arts community, a multicultural population, hundreds of niche independent shops, the best pubs in Britain, and a legendary music scene. We have more parks and woodlands than any other UK city, striking Victorian and modern architecture, big shopping at Meadow Hall, champion sports facilities and stylish restaurants, urban farms, secret parties, super trams, seven hills, five rivers and four and a half million trees. Choose the University of Sheffield and you'll discover an extraordinary place to live and study. So that's quite a recommendation. Why why aren't we all living there? I feel like we should be after that. I mean... um... Wow, what what a growing recommendation. I'd just go back to the Gimbal Walks guy. I'm pretty sure, Stu, you're a pretty big fan of the old Gimbal Walks guy, aren't you? You've watched a few of his Chesterfield videos and a couple of his others. He does do a wicked walk, and he's such a nice guy, such a nice personality. I'm not sure he has a personality, but it's a very nice walk the way he goes around and talks about all the different parts of the different cities. He's got over 200,000 followers, so he's a very popular character. So, I mean... Looking at Sheffield, I mean, it is it came from a, a pretty dark Satanic Mills sort of situation, and it has regenerated itself very well into, you know, what modern days would be called a, a garden city. And if you look at the very centre and take some of the figures from property data, then they have the average household income at thirty nine thousand five hundred pounds, compared to the UK average of thirty two thousand. In the city centre, the average type of person is an seventy-two percent are ABC ones, which means that their social class is 
educated university level or technically trained. In the centre of the city, again, it's got 50, 55% of all properties are rented. So it means it's a great rental market. And the average yield on a one-bed flat is 6%. So it's a good yield, especially if we're looking at the costs of mortgages going up. If you had a one-bed flat, that would be giving you approximately £8,000 a year. And you'd have to get up to 6% interest rates and be paying £644 a month before you started to get into trouble as far as the repayments. So it's a good yielding city. Well, back to the infrastructure and employment, what about the, the transport in Sheffield and its its connections? Uh, pretty good, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's, again, it's a bit sort of Birmingham-esque in that they've created heaps of um, different tram systems. Obviously, it's not quite the same in that Birmingham's got more canals than, uh, than Venice, but it has got 50 stations that are very easy to get around and they're all in colours which is very simple for the average South Yorkshire person because colours are easier to follow than numbers. Yeah, yellow, purple, black, black line. Yeah, lovely. Uh, black Route's a tram and train, lad. And a very exciting innovation because the train and trams are linked. So there's a train that can go on the train network and it goes straight onto the uh, tram network as well. It's the Class 399 Vossio City Link Electrical Multiple Unit. Uh, that's for all you train spotters out there. Um, HS2 coming to Sheffield? Mm, well, I don't think it is in the first leg, is it? It's um, supposedly the second leg. Whether that will ever go on, I don't know. But, you know, it's got only two hours to London, which is pretty quick, really. Liverpool, two hours again. So it's quite equidistant from many places around the country. Manchester Airport's quite close. So, no, it, it's it's got a lot of, you know, as I said, the M1 goes right past the middle of it and um it's it's a great it's very quick to get there very quick to get up north and it's got a great surrounding you know set of cities barnsley is very popular bassett law bolso with chesterfield it's got the dales it's got doncaster donny lovely place donny and northeast derbyshire so the peak district isn't too far away either so it is a good place to live and work yeah, that's the all of those towns there. That's part of the Sheffield City region, um, which is quite extensive. And as uh, Callum said earlier, I think that's 1.8 million people in that Sheffield City region. What about the future plans, Callum? What's happening? Sure. So the SCR or Sheffield City region uh, has big infrastructure plans. Um, and say, according to an earlier report, that uh, the SCR has created over 4,000 jobs and 2,500 apprenticeships, upskilling, 1,700 people and unlocking more than 200 million of private sector investment since 2012. Uh, they say their ambition is to increase the economic output by 3.2 billion, create 70,000 net additional jobs, 6,000 net new businesses, and at least 70,000 new homes by 2025. Okay, so they have identified a number of urban and growth areas and think the SCR has the capacity to grow locational advantage, great place to live with good, super fast broadband, I guess, which is what you need. So, yes, that's an ongoing £470 million project, which is run by the council, which began in 2017 
and uh, obviously suffered delays during COVID, but they're back and they're regenerating that city centre with a number of um, different projects proposing 1.5 million square feet of mixed use redevelopment. Uh, so that includes the John Lewis department store, which closed down. Um, the, the council got the lease back from the retailer in 2020, and it's now got ambitions to redevelop. There were an initial proposal to maybe knock the building down, but uh, the building has now been listed, uh, popular with some, unpopular with others. And that, that listing includes the car park. So developers will now have to submit proposal for revamping the building, which closed last year, and the willing developer will be announced in November. So that's really hot off the press there. Anything else, Callum? Uh, other nearby upgrades include uh, the Redison Blue Hotel. It's a four-star venue on Pinstone Street uh, and will have 154 bedrooms, a high-end rooftop-style restaurant and bar with stunning views over the uh, the Peace Gardens. You know, coming back to Sheffield being one of the greenest cities, you've also got the Winter Gardens and the Botanical Gardens in the city. So very green, going back to that of it being a very green, a nice space to live. Yeah, and they've also, in the centre, they've got a, a new food hall on Cambridge Street, which is part of the Cambridge Street Collective. Uh, it's also going to feature a restaurant space and a rooftop bar. It's going to be run by the same group who run Cutlery Works in Sheffield, which was voted best food hall in the UK in uh, 2022. Uh, other developments in the centre, Kangaroo Works, that's 364 modern apartments, an American developer. Fargate and the High Street, that's creating a new events hub. Castlegate, there's levelling up money to regenerate an area to become a thriving new neighbourhood. Um, and they're going to uh, expose the River Sheaf, which has been underground, and maybe even uh, dig down and reveal some bits of Sheffield Castle. I say that's pretty interesting. I think that'd be quite cool to see if they can do that. As well as the sort of the development points you mentioned there, there's a big cultural scene. You've got the Millennium Gallery, the Graves Gallery, the Site Gallery, which is uh, undergoing major redevelopment to become a triple space. You've got the Lyceum Theatre, the Lantern Theatre, and obviously the Crucible Theatre, uh, where the Snooker World Championships takes place. Okay. Um, so employment in the town, in the city. Stuart mentioned that there's you know, obviously the two uh, universities feeding into employment, and there's a lot of... Um, well-qualified people living in the city centre. What sort of thing are they up to and where are they working? Sure, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it ties in with the, the pies we like to talk about. One of the, I mean, a good example is the Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, um, which is housing companies or research units from companies such as Boeing, McLaren, Siemens, HSBC, Rolls-Royce and Airbus, to name a few. Um, I think altogether, 500 researchers and engineers that are working on this advanced manufacturing park uh, and the Sheffield Business Park. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Uh, the the graduate population feeding into the city centre. Uh, I had to do some research a while back uh, into recycled materials use in buildings and spoke to a professor from uh, Sheffield Hallam University who had been asked to solve the problem of a glass mountain of bottles in the city centre in Sheffield that basically they were recycling and they had this massive pile of old glass and he had to come up with a solution of what to do with it. Uh, he came up with, this is a guy called Professor Jim Roddis, he came up with a material called tutura, which is embedding that glass in a resin and it's now still used um, to make worktops and uh, for sort of high-end landscaping. I think it was used to create the Welsh dragon outside the Cardiff Millennium Station on the on the paving slabs there. So uh, 
uh, yeah, that was uh, what you can do uh, when you get creative with your technical expertise. Uh, so that's carrying on this this idea of Sheffield as a city of makers, I think they call it. You've got the Olympic Le- Legacy Park. You've got an advanced well-being research centre. The digital creative sector are growing strongly. And Sheffield has been noted as one of the best places to start a business. What's going on beyond the city centre, Callum? Sure, you've got a number of areas uh, that have been identified for sort of improvement or or development or redevelopment. Uh, the Devonshire Quarter, you've got two university campuses. Both of those could uh, or, uh, you know, have been earmarked for upgrading. You've got the West Bar Square, a uh, seven-acre site and £300 million mixed-use live uh, sort of work-live scheme. You've got Ponds, Ponds Forge and Park Hill for refurbishment. Kellam Islands. Uh, new plans to develop as a city fringe neighbourhood. Yeah, Kellam Island. Kellam Island. There was also it, it was in the Time Out top fifty neighbourhoods in the world just recently announced in twenty twenty two. I think. Uh, and sorry, just something to add as well. I think maybe this will be a final thoughts, but just sort of backing up the the local council's sort of um, commitment to regenerating the city centre. We're we're currently working on a on a site that is city centre with it with a UK developer to bring. 30 units in, in the city centre to our, you know, the overseas marketplace, you know, so it's a sign that they are, they are committed to it and, and, and sort of trying to deliver those, those uh, homes for the residents that are working in these places and the areas they're redeveloping. And I think something Stuart said earlier, you know, one of the reasons it is such a good market is because of the lower price point and the higher yield, you know, so um, for those savvy investors, it's been, it's been a place to buy for the past sort of seven, eight years. And now more and more people are realising that. So yeah, there's heaps going on there, and it and it's a good, solid buy to let location. I think the overall view of Sheffield, you know, from the south of England and from people who don't know it, is probably that it's a bit of a, uh, you know, a hick town. But when you get there, it's not. The universities are fantastic. Uh, it's getting a lot of regeneration and a lot of money going to it. Just look at the tram development; it's quite amazing. So, from an investment perspective, I believe it is a good market, and. Unfortunately, it's only the people from the north recognise that, but it's a good location if you want to try and get a good yield on a buy-to-let. Yes, I hope that the increased costs of borrowing doesn't uh, deflate some of that regeneration and and halt some of those schemes. Inevitably, it will, but uh, hopefully not too much. Well, thanks very much. That's it from us today. Um, It's goodbye from Callum. Thanks, Paul. Goodbye. And goodbye from Stuart. Cheerio, Paul. Until then... It's goodbye from me. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.